you have the American dream. You run your own business. But running a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I am your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Before we begin our interview with this week's successful small business visionary, I want to take a moment and thank you, the listener, for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you're about to hear an example of why after several thousand downloads in just over a year, small business owners, CEOs, CFOs, partners, and general managers download the Small Business Celebration Podcast in record numbers on a weekly basis. We want to thank the tremendous content that our visionary guests continue to provide this podcast, our sponsors, and you, Visionary Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast, internalize our guests' valuable insights, and because of it, are growing a strong and profitable business. And we thank you. Our guest today is Janelle Capra, who is the Executive Director of the Alzheimer's Disease Association of Kern County, also known as ADAKC. Welcome to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Thank you, Michael. Thank you to all the listeners, and I look forward to having a conversation with you today. What is your role here, and what is it that you do? As executive director, I am in charge of the full function and vision, our mission in action here at ADAKC. Mm -hmm. We are a fully licensed facility, a day center for loved ones on the Alzheimer's journey. Uh, our community built our building, and you were able to take a tour of it and just see our mission in action. We are here for those who need their loved one to receive that type of care, and we're here Monday through Friday, 7 a.m., to 5 p.m. with specialized trained professionals providing daily brain stimulation, activities, good nutrition, all the, all the good things. So this is a facility in an organization that allows a, a, a child whose parent is going through Alzheimer's to be able to bring their parents or loved one here so they can be in a safe nurturing environment. Yeah, and it's not just for children. I mean, I definitely relate to that story, and which was why I joined the board back in 2017, mm -hmm. is that my mom was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's at just the age 65. Wow. So I was then, at that time, the daughter, the caregiver, balancing, trying to do my job, trying to raise my children and make sure mom had the care she needed. Mm -hmm. Our organization is available for anyone with dementia-related disorders, and so there are oftentimes the daughters and the sons, but it's their loved one, it's the wife, it's the husband. We had a family recently move here from Colorado because our program is unlike any other, and it was for her husband to be able to attend our program. Mm. Yeah. For business owners and business leaders who are listening to this episode and wondering why on earth are you interviewing a 501c3? <laughs> and the reason is, is twofold. And the first one is that there is a mistaken notion that 501c3s are nonprofits and money simply just comes out of the sky. That would be <laughs> lovely if that was the case. Yes. But the reality is, is if the nonprofit wasn't run like a business, there would be no money to give or be able to use. Absolutely. In your role as executive director, what do you do to help run this organization? Yeah, so I think having lived with the disease, I come to this position with a very different mindset mm. and 
a different understanding of the need and knowing that it's not just the 122 currently registered clients that we have, mm-hmm. which is a record number for our organization, but it's the families around them. As a person who's worked with several businesses through the years, I'm able to look at systems, systems mm-hmm. that worked with small business, that worked with large organizations, and help just put those in place. Because the one thing I've learned, systems work. And you test and you try them and you see what happens to make you more successful. The other thing is making sure that we diversify and we look at our income streams and see where they're coming from. Yes, we are blessed by the large gifts that were a part of our capital campaign and built this campus and the gifts that come through our events and fundraising. But in order to sustain, in order to keep our doors open, we do need to make sure we're looking at the grants. We have a federal grant that helps provide for respite care. What are some the other grants and community partners we can look out to. So it is very much running a business. The unique part in my role are days where we own this building. Mm -hmm. And so we have to make sure that the plumbing and gardening and just functionality of a building is working properly. And that's when I joke with our team sometimes and say, I'm not sure that was on my job description about (laughs) the toilets, but I'll do what I need to do. But yeah, as a small business owner, you're faced with those challenges all the time. And if you're not prepared, successfully for the what if it can really hit you hard last week our guest was kevin oliver and he briefly touched on systems what is a system okay i look at systems as a way to do your job and have the outcome you're looking for in the most smart simple form Mm. i think it's time sometimes we overthink or overcomplicate a process whereas Mm. sometimes we just need to know for example i sat down with our team and said what is our admission process what are we doing when that caregiver comes to us and is ready to enroll their loved one Mm. okay There's too many steps. What can we do to clean that up a little bit? Mm. So I think systems are really about just looking at what is your outcome? What are you trying to achieve? And then looking at the process in which you're you're choosing to get there. For business owners who are always curious on how a 501c3 appropriately distributes and utilizes revenue, what are some of the safeguards and things that you do, systems that you push in place to be able to present to the public that, yes, we are doing due diligence with the money that is given to us? That's a great question. I think it's important. There's hundreds of nonprofits in Kern County alone. So you do need to do research to see where is your dollar going. Is it a local organization where the goal, like ours, is to keep our funds here so we can keep our doors open to our clients. You can check GuideStar, which is a reliable resource. And they and where do you find GuideStar? GuideStar.org. Okay. And that will give a score for the nonprofit. Easy test. I always like to look at their website and see if it's secure. Oh. A secure lock that you see on the URL is important to know if I'm, you're going to make a donation online. Have they done their due diligence to make sure that my donation is safe when it goes through? Little steps like that make a difference. And then I think also seeing the mission in action, knowing if you're giving to that cause, whether you visit our building here at 4203 Buena Vista, the Rose Lazzarini campus, (laughs) or you see us in the community, 
ask the questions. Ask mm-hmm. if I am donating to the cinnamon roll drive. Where is that going? We try and to. What be... is what is the cinnamon roll drive? Yeah, so we're we're we've had our eighth annual cinnamon roll drive, and that's been a cause that came together as an opportunity to just raise awareness. And through the years, with the gift from Hodel's and their infamous, very delicious cinnamon rolls, <laughs> we've been able to partner with KGT and at their Compassion Corner all day long, sell cinnamon rolls and raise a little bit extra cash for the organization. The key to any special event and what I really try to look at is what is signature about it and what Mm. can we do with that? And so with ours being the beginning of a new year, it's a great way to kick off the year, raise awareness, bring our board and staff together, bring out volunteers that we may not see all year long, but also be very specific with those funds. And those funds help us fund respite care for our program. And if Visioneer Nation wants to get in touch with you, how do they do that? I would say the best way is to reach out to me by email, and that's Janelle Capra. How do you spell Janelle? J-A-N-E-L-L-E, Capra, C-A-P as in Paul, R-A, at A-D-A-K-C dot org. You want to have your best year ever. The problem is there's a million New Year's resolutions out there that just don't work. But what if there were four simple, proven guidelines that can help you on your business journey that will help you achieve the things you want in life this year? Tim McNeely, one of our past guests here on the Small Business Celebration Podcast, has a special free offer just for you. Go to lifestone.co.com forward slash four things. Four things. Four guidelines. Four takeaways. Four things you and your business needs to have to have the best year ever. Go to lifestone.co.com forward slash four things and achieve the things you want in life this year. We're here with Janelle Capra, the executive director of the Alzheimer's Disease Association of Kern County, also known as ADAKC. And the reason I'm here with Janelle this morning is because of our mutual acquaintance of Bob Meadows. Love Bob. And Bob was a a guest here on the Small Business Celebration podcast. And after the interview was over, he says, you know, Michael, you really need to go talk to Janelle. She's, (laughs) she's, she's, she's great. And tell us a little bit about Bob and what he does for the ADA KC. Yeah. So Bob has been such an integral part of our board as we went through quite a year of transition. Mm. And from his years of experience, as you know, having him on the podcast, his banking background, but really his giving background of being involved with United Way and other organizations that helped give us specific guidelines in a year of transition for our board and for our staff here at ADAKC. Bob shows up with great heart and is always willing to not only give of his time, but generous donations as well. And his mother-in-law was a part of our program, so it hits pretty close to home for him. And as far as you, you've been with the ADAKC for... Well, I was on the board since 2017, uh-huh. served as board pre- president, and then most recently, as of April of 2019, joined and stepped up to executive director. Why did you become the executive director? You know, I felt a calling and it was so personal for me. Again, Mm -hmm. my mom being on this journey for about eight years. Mm -hmm. And as I've told friends, when you see someone, you know, go through that, I just, 
I felt like I didn't come this far to just go this far when she passed. And I just felt that there's a reason to turn some of that pain into purpose. At the time, looking as a board to make an executive search, we did. Mm -hmm. And a couple months into it, I felt the tug and I said, I'm going to resign from the committee so that we can put my name into this. I think it's time for me to step down as president so I can step up for executive director of the organization. And before you became the executive director, you owned a business called? Capra PR. Yes. (laughs) So it's all about the PR, and I still carry that into everything that I do. What is PR? PR is, well, it stands for public relations. I feel PR is telling your story and being able to communicate it in a way that's trustworthy. The difference between advertising and PR is advertising is trying to sell you something. PR is coming from more of a place of service and how to pull it all together. You have been doing this since 2007, but you didn't get your start with starting up your own shingle. You learned this from someplace else. You started with KERO, I believe. and Yeah. Then- so my... I went to school here locally, Cal State Bakersfield, shout out to our our runners, uh, major in communications, and I was at the time working for Channel 23. That opportunity led me to be recruited by Channel 29, and I'm among the few that was then the trifecta, I was recruited to Channel 17. So in that growth of that time in working in media, I quickly learned how to share the good news that's out there. A lot of times in news, you hear the bad. Mm -hmm. And you've heard the sayings, if it bleeds, it leads. And Mm -hmm. that definitely is true sometimes in newsrooms. But what viewers don't know is that you hold the key to setting the news agenda every single day. Mm. Let me say that again. You hold the key to setting the news agenda. You, as the go-to expert, as the person who is knowledgeable of a certain field, a certain area, a nonprofit, whatever it is, news also wants to tell your story. And if you pitch it to them in the right way, they'll pick it up. What kind of a process do you have for doing that? I call it the the pitch and persuade, and it's all about how, you, I'm sorry, the prepare, the pitch, persuade. It's about being able to recognize what is unique about your story and how to get it out to the local media. If we were to take it down in step one, you really need to do your homework. You need to prepare. And there are still many journalists and organizations out there that will say you've got to send out that press release. Mm. For any listener out there that's not <laughs> familiar with that and thinks you can just shoot an email to your reporter, you can if you've built that relationship. Right. But if this is cold, if this is you know, they don't know you, you need to start with a format that is accepted, and that's the press release. And that's knowing your five W's. Which are? Who, what, where, when, and why. How? (laughs) The how sneaks in sometimes, um, just if you want to elaborate. But the five W's is what's key to any press release, and it helps you write it so that the news knows how to pick up your story. The other key, too, and I think what's important, is realizing that every story needs the local angle. Mm. So if there's something on a national level, if Mm -hmm. there's something happening in national news, but even in primetime media, say that there was a big story in a primetime program about bullying, and you have an anti-bullying program, 
use that to your advantage to pitch that story so you can get the local coverage. News in your market, no matter where you live. And I now, thanks to being in PR and working with reporters, they move all around the country. They want to tell your story, and they always want to tell the local story. How do you go through and you prepare to tell your story? What is the process for doing that? Yeah, so you're preparing by doing your research. It's so easy these days to go online. You can go to whatever news medium you're looking to be a part of and check out their website and see what stories are they covering. You know, look at their timeline, go to their social media. The other tip that I always try to give too is think like the reporter does. So we know there's organizations out there called HARO, Help a Reporter Out, that are always looking for stories. But if you know the story you wanna pitch and you're trying to get your event on the air or your product or whatever it may be, you need to watch their programming. You need to listen to their programming, whatever it is. I've told clients, and there have been some, I cannot say who, that have made it to the Today Show. And I said from the beginning, you want to be on the Today Show, you have to watch the Today Show. You need to watch whatever it is you're trying to have that outcome to be on the air. Sometimes it's been the question of, I just want to be on TV. And I've had that with clients. And I said, okay, why? What's the angle? What are we trying to share? You need to come from a place of service and be that go-to expert in that area, whatever it may be. And it sounds like that in part of your research in doing this is you're also looking for specific reporters that you're trying to get in front of. You wouldn't want, if you're a business owner and trying to promote a product or service, you wouldn't necessarily want to get in front of the lifestyle editor. You may want to get in front of the business Or a community editor, yeah. You know, if your business is opening its doors and you are, you know, a restaurant's perfect example, you're choosing to have your opening night, a certain percentage, go to a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to get coverage. A little bit will go a long way. But yes, you need to get to know the reporters you're reaching out to. And if you're just sending out that press release, kind of like throwing it out to everybody and hoping you get a response... It's almost like throwing the spaghetti at the wall. You need to do your homework ahead of time. We've now gotten in front of or have the appointment to speak with a reporter, the press, or the blogger, or Mm -hmm. the podcaster. How do we pitch your business or your concept before them in order to get that meeting? So you've prepared. You understand your audience. You understand the outcome of where you're trying to get the news story shared. Mm -hmm. Now with the pitch, you want to be very specific. Mm. To have that perfect pitch, it's making sure that you use some buzzwords that are going to tell that story a little bit better. Such as? Well, you know, it depends on what story are we trying to tell. Is it about Christmas and you've just raised thousand dollars giving toys to a local organization, then you definitely are going to use the holiday push, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to use that to your advantage. Now that we're in a brand new year, it's 2020. What can you do with that? There's so many angles you can use, especially in January. What do we do? We set resolutions. How many of them fail? Research says 95% of them in the first three weeks. So what can you do to pitch a story that will sink and really get their attention? You can show the opportunities that exist for metric-based research for wellness. Not just saying I'm going to lose 20 pounds, but my program, you're going to be able to see results because of this. I think it's about really understanding the outcome and just highlighting almost like titled words that you would use at, in a heading for a story. One of the other things I'm also picking up is that you're making it very customer-centric. 
you're making the the push on the message all about them. It's not about you and your product. It's what your product can do for Absolutely. them. How do you go through and you're preparing your pitch to make sure you're mentally focused on the customer and not you yourself and your business? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think you have to come from that place of service mm -hmm. always and think of the one person you are solving that problem for. Not the hundreds that you definitely have the opportunity to reach or the thousands mm -hmm. or the millions, <laughs> but that one person who is up at 2 a.m. in the morning and Googling this specific problem that your product, your business, your organization can help solve. And when you focus that, I think you're able to then not only come from a place of service, but be so specific that that one person responds by the thousands. We've spoken about preparing. Mm -hmm. We've spoken about pitching. Now we have to persuade. That's right. How do we do that? That's in relationship. That's where PR really comes into the game is knowing that you're trustworthy. You know, if this is your first time out there, you might need to hire a PR professional. The DIY PR can work, mm -hmm. but you've got to build that relationship. You have to have met each other at a mixer and know that there's some commonality and win-win for both organizations. So the persuasion comes in knowing that what you're sharing is something that can serve others. I think it comes down to that basic. How are you going to be able to serve others? News media, podcasts, webinars, whatever it might be, they will be successful because that content is what? Shareable and it serves others. In this day of social media, there's this notion that traditional print, video, TV, radio is antiquated, which I don't agree with. But there are a lot of people that don't know how to pursue social media. It's mm -hmm. a new frontier for them. How does taking the prepare, pitch, persuade model work when you're trying to promote your business or your organization on social media? Yeah, so I've had this question with several clients. And what I say is focus on one and be consistent and do it well. If you're going to grow your business and it's your one-person show, which often is the Times, the solopreneur, you need to focus, and you're doing the media, so you're not paying someone else to do it. You really need to focus on one platform, be consistent, do it well, and as you're able to grow, then grow to another platform because every social media platform is a different way of communicating. Hmm. I've used an example in the past. Facebook versus Instagram versus LinkedIn. It's like different family members. Right. You wouldn't talk the same to every family member, right? So you have to use the right tone. You have to think about how you're communicating. Twitter is a perfect example of a short response that can really gain great results, but you have to know how you're, how you're communicating that. The three steps that I would say would be to choose the one that you're familiar with or that you feel you can give the time to grow right. as it grows and you can outsource it. I'm all about virtual business and hiring people to be your virtual assistants, but really think about that reach and responding. A lot of times businesses fail on social because all they're doing is selling. And what do we do? Block, 
delete, unfollow. Right. We're not going to resonate with that. We will resonate with something that shows that they care about us, that responds once in a while when you put out a comment. You know, I recently visited Rosewood Miramar in Santa Barbara, and I have beautiful stories growing up at the Miramar with my mom and family. And I sent out a comment, and within... I would say six hours they had responded. So it's good to see that because you want that connection back as a consumer. Visioneers, you know how many of you take to our social media sites on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook and let us know what you like and don't like about the Small Business Celebration podcast? Well, guess what? Your comments are being rewarded. On February 2nd, 2020, Small Business Celebration is unveiling a special program just for you. This program rewards you for your current support of this podcast, but will also give you a greater voice, greater input, and greater value, all because you like, comment, and share our posts on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. If you haven't liked, commented, and shared our posts on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, start now. February 2nd is just around the corner, and you don't want to miss out. Like comment and share our posts on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook right now. Pause this episode, like, comment, and share, and then come right back. You'll be glad you did. We're here with Janelle Capra, who is the Executive Director of the Alzheimer's Disease Association of Kern County, ADAKC, and the owner of Capra PR. Well, first of all, happy birthday month. Well, thank you so much, Michael. As my friends know, I do celebrate all month long. I highly recommend it. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just need to celebrate more than one day. Speaking of the of birthdays, you gave birth to your last child and your business <laughs> on the same day. Pretty much, yeah. How did that work? You know, I look back at the time and I really was feeling a push to go out on my own mm -hmm. and knowing that this would be the last baby. It was the opportunity for me to have more flexibility in launching a business. Mm. And so I am a big person about putting pen to paper, keep a journal, write down your goals and be specific. I immediately wrote down 10 organizations I wanted to work with within that year. I chose them based on just where my heart wanted to work and where I felt led. But in the past, it would have been a conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. Within that year, I ended up working with six of them. And the following year, almost eight of them. A thing about setting an intention. At the beginning of every year, one mm -hmm. thing I'd love to share with you is I choose a word. Mm. And I use it as my metric for the entire year. So whatever's going on, I go back to that one word that drives me for the entire year. And what is the word for this year? So for this year, wow, your podcast listeners will be the first to maybe hear. <laughs> the word sometimes chooses me. Last year was abundance. And in many ways, I needed that word to step out of what was a very challenging time mm -hmm. and choose abundance and health and in wealth and just an opportunity. This year, it's love. And love chose me. As simple as that word is, it is being able to give myself more self-love, being able to choose wisely how I serve and love others and where I share that love. You mentioned that you journal. Yes. Why is that? It's a life hack. It really is. There's science behind writing things down. And what happens to your brain when you write them down? Mm -hmm. The other thing, too, 
it's all about how you set that intention. So there's many things I've done in life where I've written it down as if it's already happened. Because here's the thing, your brain does not know the difference between reality and what you believe to be reality. So if you believe it and you want to achieve it, that's how you do it. I wrote down years ago that I wanted to blog with HuffPost. It was after a speech that Ariana Huffington had gave. I was a chapter president of organization where she spoke to 1,200 plus women in the room. Mm-hmm. I emailed her. The following day, there was a response back from her and her senior editor welcoming me to HuffPost at the time. I then set that intention. I will meet Ariana Huffington. Or actually, let me take that back. I met Ariana Huffington. I try to do it in the sense of it's already happened, and it happens. I did. A year later, I met her in person. It was kind of a cool moment. Michael Hyatt talks a lot about this. Yeah. And you and I are both big fans of, of Michael Hyatt, and I'm, I'm a big fan of his journal and his, his daily planner. One of the things that Michael Hyatt talks about is putting together your rolling threes. Hmm. And he talks about your to-do list as far as that kind of a thing goes. You've just gone through and spoken about the intentionality of writing things down for planning. What is your plan? How do you put your daily calendar together, your weekly, your monthly, your annual calendar together so that you can stay focused so you have already met Ariana Huffington? How do you, how, what is your process for doing that? Yeah. You know, I think it comes down to digestible goals. And just like if we went to a buffet, you're not going to put everything on your plate that would not taste good. You wouldn't like it. You're going to have certain (laughs) sections of food you'd like. I think you have to do the same thing in time management. For me as a mom of three and juggling career and juggling commitments, being a wife, being the mom, being, you know, the sister and, and friend, I only set every day three goals, three big goals. Mm. What those are, are tasks that I know have to get done, no matter what, have to get done. And if I had to push them off, I'd have a backup plan. But I, I do that in a sense, it, I don't know, maybe I geek out on this stuff, <laughs> to be honest, but I love the option of checking off what I've been able to accomplish that day. Mm. It gives me the sense of feeling like, yes, I got through that. I did accomplish that. No matter what was thrown my way, I got that done. And I think it helps too, because so many times we want to put so much on our to-do list. Right. It's overwhelming and you're failing upon that first task. Right. You know, why would you set up yourself to fail? Especially if you're going through and you keep forgetting to remember to forget to remember <laughs> that you keep remembering to forget that you were supposed to write it down that you forgot to remember. Yes. Well, yeah. And let's be honest. I know you've probably had this happen to you, Michael. You set your plan. You get to your office. You sit behind your desk and something completely changes. Right. And you have to adapt. So being, I think, focused on what your goals are. For the long term, I like to work in 90-day terms as well. Mm -hmm. I do that with our team. I do that at home with my children. Mm -hmm. It's all about setting that attainable goal of what we want that outcome to be and letting us be very crystal clear on that outcome so that we can then reverse engineer three months. Okay, now what do we need to do today to get there? Do you have an example for yourself that you set up for the new year that you're rolling out your your 90-day increments? Yeah, you know, I think in the new year, it's a great time to really recalibrate and choose what do you want 2020 to look like. Right. And something about 2020 and being in a new decade is exciting, right? I can see better. It's 2020. Yeah, there you go. There's all (laughs) kinds of good things. With that, I 
I have set certain intentions for our team for how we will be able to grow beyond our walls and serving more on the Alzheimer's journey here at ADAKC, the Rose Lazzarini campus, and beyond. But on a personal level, like I shared, I do geek out on personal development. So for me, the 90-day goals are making sure that there's certain books and programs that I've achieved in the, the first 90 days. Speaking of books, what are you reading right now? Currently reading... And I just adore Brene Brown. So for all of you out there, if you have not heard of her, Google Brene Brown. And how do you spell Brene? Brene, Mm B-R-E-N-E and Brown. Daring Greatly is a fabulous one. I've read and actually listened to on Audible. That's Mm -hmm. one of my life hacks. Highly recommend Audible. Right. Um, She's one of those authors that reads it. So it's nice Ah. to have it come from her. Recently reading Rising Strong, which just resonates with me on so many levels. How so? Uh, You know, I think a lot of times we talk about in business and in life, the hardship and then the final outcome. Yay, they made it. And we forget the middle. Mm. And the middle part is so important. She goes into a little bit detail of what that is and how you work through that. And what is rising strong? Well, it's acknowledging along the way, not just your hardship, but what you're doing in that middle part. That really is the magic for the whole thing. You didn't become executive director of the ADAKC and run your own company successfully overnight. You mentioned that your your business and your baby were born on the same day, <laughs> which I personally couldn't fathom. <laughs> Starting a business by itself is, is challenging enough. But you didn't become this successful Wonder Woman overnight. What is something that happened along your journey that is that B segment that you were just talking about where, yes, you started off with the inspiration that, yes, I've got these 10 organizations that I want to work with, and then now you're you're here at the ADAKC. Something happened in the middle there. Yeah. What happened? So it was my mom's dementia. It was the mom who I just was so close with and adored. And, you know, I realize not everyone has a beautiful relationship with their mother or parent for that matter, but we did. And for her at just age 65 to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's and know that she wasn't going to get better. And I would miss her most when she sat right in front of me. It was a very long goodbye. It was dark on good days. It was devastating on the bad the twists and turns and all the unknowns that we went through when mom passed, I just felt like I just didn't come this far to only come this far. I didn't go through all this for eight years and saying goodbye to her for eight years to just be like, well, that's done. What's next? My heart, my soul, just everything was pulled to how can I help others who are living this now? Because the truth is, there's 2.2 million Californians, and what are we doing locally for our Kern County residents? We have statistics for 11,000 dealing with Alzheimer's, but I believe that number is low because so many people stay in denial. It is a dark disease, and at best, sometimes you stay in denial because you're in survivor mode. You don't know how to help this person on this journey because they're dying daily in front of you. That was the pivotal change. I just, I at times was in the deepest depression of my life um, where I knew 
as long as I got up and got my kids off to school, okay, that was a good day. I got through it. But I also knew that there's light that can come in. And in the end, I feel like God worked on my heart to accept where she was, realizing she still had purpose, and just be there with her in those moments. And those were some of the most beautiful moments. Even when I think back, her last words, even though she was pretty much nonverbal in the end, her last words were, I love you. And how can you, you know, going through that and knowing so many people that are still on the same journey, I first publicly started talking about it through blogs. I wrote with HuffPost just to get the, I guess for me, therapeutically, just to get it out. And I look back now, and, and those blogs are titled Her Heart Remembers, which I plan to put into a book. Each step along the way was an insight that I didn't realize I was gaining at the time. But I've learned how to live on this journey. And I hope as an advocate on a local and national level with Alzheimer's, I hope to be that person who helps change that narrative that our loved ones are living with this disease. They're not dying with this disease. And how can we help them along the way? How can we help the one suffering with it? How can we change that to the ones living with it and the caregivers who are, are there for them? You're not the only person who has gone through a difficult family challenge. Mm -hmm. And give Visioneer Nation an idea on how do you cope? How do you deal with the day-to-day? -day yeah. When you've got a business to run, when you've got a family to provide for, and you've got this other family challenge, seemingly overcompassing or yeah. umbrelling everything. What do you do on a daily basis to manage or get through or to, to get to the finish line? Yeah. You know, I've written a little bit about this in blogs and with Kern County Family Magazine in, in some of my articles. You have to tether yourself to something. Find something that brings you joy. And as silly as it was for me at the time, it was Star Wars. Yes, fans. Yes. <laughs> I am a Star Wars geek at heart. Original trilogy, really, only. Um, and, and, and for those who are millennials, that would happen to be episodes four, five, and correct. six. <laughs> I don't acknowledge it that way, Michael, but that is correct. Yes. You have to find joy in the midst of the sadness. And here's the other thing. There will be days where you physically don't feel like you can do it. It's beyond your capabilities because it is and that's when you reach out for help and that's when you just be specific about what you need and that's when you just do crazy things like beyond star wars i decided to take a ballet class that i hadn't done in decades was it scary uh yes did i remember all the terms of ballet in french no plie and up <laughs> plie and up. but i did it and I think when you force yourself to show up and beyond everything else, really, if I were to look back at that time when it was the darkest, I lost myself in service of others. I tried to find organizations that I knew needed my help, that I felt connected to in a most authentic way, not in a way that just looks good on paper or looks good to others, but really felt good to me. And by serving them, I was able to not only find myself again, but help serve those others. 
Yeah. For Visioneer Nation, what is one thing that they can do today to grow a strong and profitable business? One thing? Do you ask all your guests this one thing? (laughs) The one big thing I would say is choose your word. Choose your word and write it down and put it in your calendar and put it on your phone. I have my word show up every day at 7 a.m. It's beyond just the, the ability of choosing a mindset that sets that goal, but you start to believe it. And the more you believe it, you will achieve it and you'll find your way. You know, maybe your word is fearless. Maybe your word is warrior, whatever it might be. Choose that word to help drive you in this new year. By doing so, you'll find all the other ways forward. Sometimes we hit the hardest times in our lives from from things we can't control. You can control how you react. You can control how you respond. And you can control your mindset by choosing joy in the midst of whatever it might be. By choosing your word, you're going to give yourself actionable steps toward that future for your business. Janelle, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for being on the Small Business Celebration Podcast. You've given us a tremendous wealth of information and useful bits. Thank you very much for being on our podcast. Thank you so much. It's been a blessing. You want to have your best year ever. The problem is, there's a million New Year's resolutions out there that just don't work. But what if there were four simple, proven guidelines that can help you on your business journey that will help you achieve the things you want in life this year? Tim McNeely, one of our past guests here on the Small Business Celebration Podcast, has a special free offer just for you. Go to lifestone.co.com forward slash four things. Four things. Four guidelines. Four takeaways. Four things you and your business needs to have to have the best year ever. Go to lifestone.co.com forward slash four things and achieve the things you want in life this year. Who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business leader who is a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. A visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A visioneer gives value first because visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Join the Visioneer tribe at Small Business Celebration on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. 
Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business. <laughs>